Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. Welcome back to the call up your go to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. We've got more of this 2018 redraft. It's part two. It's Aram Layton, Taylor Davis, Jack McMullen. This was really fun. Part one. It was chaos in the best way possible. And I don't expect part two to be any different. And for those who may not have caught part one, go check that out. We went through picks one through 15 of this 2018 redraft guys, you've had a night now to kind of think about everything to, to maybe adjust your big boards a little bit. And Taylor, I'll start with you before we, we jump into the actual draft. How did you feel about the the first 15 picks now that you've had a night to digest it? Uh, Any, anything that you regret, anything that stood out that me and Jack did anything in any way uh, after we went through the first half of this first round? No, I, I thought, honestly, um, you know, I, I really I just really appreciated the number two pick in the draft. I thought that was probably pick of the draft yeah. uh, outside of that. Uh, no, you know, I think the interesting thing here, like here's what I'll say. The second half of this, I think, is going to be significantly harder because these the the prospects that you're talking about and the up and down the volatility of the people that we're talking about could create some really interesting conversations between us and decisions that we all have to make. Absolutely. And, and again, for those, for those listening that may not have caught it in the first part of this episode, Taylor and Jack host a podcast on our network. It's shown go with Taylor Davis. Taylor spent parts of five big league seasons and has played even longer than that across several different organizations. So, you know, everybody you've caught so many different talented pitchers either on the big league side or prospects coming up, which is really cool. I feel like you've got a very broad scope of being able to speak on players in all different ranks of the game right now. And, and the other side of it too is, an example would be you just talked to D Gordon, D Strange Gordon, I should say, and uh, that interview should be out now, right? So I'm really excited to to go check that out after we're done interviewing or done doing this redraft. Jack, what were your thoughts on the first 15 picks, and and, and how are you feeling going into part two here of this redraft? So I line up with Taylor in that I think that the back half is going to be much harder because I I lead off with 16, and I'm thinking of a guy that you know, has already had parts of several big league seasons in Cal Raleigh, or I'm thinking of one of the top pitching prospects in baseball like Taj Bradley. So that's the conversation we start to get into now. And really in the first 15 picks, 
there was only one guy that's still considered a, a prospect that was taken, like maybe one and a half, if you still consider Casas a, a true prospect. Yeah. But I mean, Grayson Rodriguez went fifth. That's the only guy that could be considered a prospect. That, that so, hasn't debuted, I would say, is, is the best way to put it. And and, and that's pretty right. remarkable because we're about to hit prospect central, I think, on the back half of this. There's going to be that, that balance of like kind of good big leaguer um, that has a cap ceiling or roll the dice on the prospect. And this is where it gets really fun to show you how high we value these prospects and everything like that. Real quick, Jack, I know you have it in front of you. Do you want to recap the first 15 picks for those yeah. who may not remember from part one? Yeah. So we were talking about this, like this first round was objectively not good. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to age well, but you start with the first pick of the competitive balance round um, or the compensation round. And it's Shane McClanahan, 31st overall. So Aram went with McClanahan first. Uh, Taylor went with the 2021 National League Rookie of the Year. Jonathan India second. Injury concerns my ass. Um, Stephen Kwan, I took third. Logan Gilbert, I took fourth. Taylor went with Grayson Rodriguez fifth. Aram went with Jeremy Pena six and Brady Singer seven. Taylor went with Nico Horner eight. Really liked that pick. I went with Drew Rasmussen nine and then Alec Bohm 10. Taylor went with Lars Newtbar, America's sweetheart or Samurai Japan sweetheart now 11. Uh, Aram went with Tristan Casas 12 and Tarek Skubal 13. Taylor went with Joe Ryan 14. And then I went with utility man extraordinaire Brendan Donovan 15. And that takes us to 16. All right. Well, you want to you want to get us going here with pick 16, which was previously Matthew Libertor, which is he is a really interesting case here. Right. Because Libertor uh, long, long regarded as a top 100 prospect. Right. And and a guy that look, it, it would be silly to say that he can't figure it out and and be a solid big league starter. Right. He, he still has a lot going for him. He's still relatively young. But, you know, you saw him up close and personal a lot last year, Jack. I, I guess, Taylor, you probably faced him. Last year, right, or at least were saw him pitch up close we in some saw, games. We only saw Memphis. We only saw Memphis one time. Okay, yeah. so he was there. Okay, so uh, you, I'm you, pulling up. I'm pulling up the uh, the game log. He threw. Here we go. June 25th. Uh, Taylor, you were not in the lineup. It was Jason Delay that day. Okay. I mean, not not a, not really a big surprise that I wasn't in the lineup, but uh, <laughs> big surprise that I didn't remember Matthew Libertor pitch. To be honest with you, I'm usually pretty good about that. Yeah. So you know, Libby. He's got that patented curveball that that everybody has fallen in love with, with the shape and 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 how much you know depth it has. But honestly, the slider has been more effective for him o- over the last year or so. It's it's shorter. He commands it better, and it just seems to be a better offering for him. The big problem though is the fastball, right? It's it's ninety three, ninety four, but it's it's straight as an arrow. Doesn't have much shape and got. You know, teed off on 868 or like 870 OPS against last year. So you know, that's something to watch. But Libby still just turned 23 years old, has plenty of time to work it out and and could be an option here as we get later in the first round. But that's not going to be the pick at 16. Yeah. And Baseball America actually still has him as a top 100 guy. They've got him yeah. at 79 in the preseason top 100. Understandable. He dropped out of pipelines. He dropped out of baseball prospectuses. And uh, he's not in just baseball's top 100 either. Um, I mean, he's coming off of an ERA over five in 115 innings in Nashville, which is tough. Um, I told Taylor that I was probably going to go with Cal Raleigh. But as soon as we hit the record button, I changed my mind. 
Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that I think can be a frontline starter because it's almost the antithesis of Liberator, the fastball data, like the way the fastball plays and just seeing it in person with you, Aram and Biloxi was a, an insane experience. And obviously the breaking ball is exceptional as well. I'm going to go with Taj Bradley, right-hander in the Rays organization. I think Taj, like there's a really good chance if Tampa gets to the ALDS their four-man rotation is McClanahan, Glasnow, Rasmussen, Bradley. I think he could phase Springs out. I think he could phase Eflin Even after out. paying Springs? And after paying Eflin, too. I think that Taj Bradley is better than those guys quickly. Taylor's shaking I, his head. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind the Eflin one. Nothing against Zach. I just think that he truly proved last year that he could do a mix and that he's going to be more valuable in the playoffs for that team as the guy that will be, Hey, if, if we need you to start game four, you can do that. Or we're going to have you throw three innings at the back end of, of, of a game. So having that ability, having that versatility with a guy as good as, as Eflin, I think I, I agree with you there. I'm, I, I don't see you putting him over the the guy you just extended who had the, had the big year for you, but I get, he could, I've never seen Taj Bradley, so I don't know, but um, it would surprise me after pay after a team that doesn't typically pay guys to pay somebody uh, to not start him. So I'm getting the rundown on the profile. Yeah, yeah. so I, I would love to get y'all you know, give you the context of of who this guy is, Taylor, because you've you've spent a lot of time seeing a lot of players go through AAA and, and get to the big leagues, and you know seeing players join you in the big leagues and and see like who can sink or swim. But I think the idea of of a young pitcher, he's 21 years old still. And so that means he, he was 20 at the start of last year. I think right after his 21st birthday, got to AAA and and had a good amount of success. He dominated through AA, 74 and a thirds innings, a 1.7 ERA, more than 10 Ks per nine, barely two walks per nine. Then he gets to AAA and it, it's a little bit more difficult, but he still holds his own 3.66 ERA, uh, still a pretty decent strikeout to walk ratio. Strikeout rate dropped a little bit. That's natural, but in 59 innings was really solid. How often do you see a 21 year old? go up to AAA and really find success like that and hold his own as a pitcher, especially off of the COVID layoff for a high school guy uh, that was drafted in, in 2018. It's pretty remarkable to me to, to, to see what Taj Bradley has, has been able to do. Yeah, I, the, the youth definitely adds to it. Like the guy that I remember when we talk about young arms, like I just remember everybody blowing up about Julio Urias and yeah, um, how right. he was and having success in the minor leagues. Um, one thing I'll say about pitchers, though, as far as being young and, and, you know, the, the thing that like the, the average baseball fan probably doesn't really think about would be that like, you know, if a pitcher throws 97, he's going to throw 97, whether he's facing Taylor Davis or Barry Bonds, yeah. it's significantly different for me as the hitter to, to go without seeing pitching for a year than it is for that guy to go without pitching for a year. Yeah. I think that that's one area where I go, you know, now I'll also say this, like, I really do believe that guys just get at some point, you're going to get to a level where uh, everybody catches up to you where that is. I don't know. It could be little league. It could be high school. It could be the big leagues. You could be Justin Verlander and nobody ever catches up to you. Um, But like, I, I definitely think it's important to have continued success throughout the minor leagues as he's shown. Um, But he's a guy that, like you said, like the, the, really good thing is the background stuff is really good 
for him at that young age. He's not yeah. walking guys. He's still punching guys out. That's almost more important to me, him doing that than, than the, the run stuff. Yeah. And the biggest thing you talk about loving fastballs. Uh, this is one of the better fastballs you're going to find in the minor leagues. He threw it 60% of the time, but it, it just jumps out of his hand. It's 94 to 96. He can grab a seven or eight and uh, opponents had just a 650 OPS against that fastball last year. Slider spectacular working on a splitter, but this is where I'm okay with the splitter when it's the third pitch, right? Not when it's your go-to out pitch. So he doesn't command the splitter that well. I wonder if he might try to change his change up grip and use something else, but that's kind of the, the big X factor for him to, to reach that ceiling. But at 21 years old, he's got time. I like the pick Jack for reference. He was three spots or two spots down on my big board. So I was, was ready 18? to take him potentially two. Okay. Uh, so that brings us to pick number 17, which was previously Jordan Adams of the Brutal. angels. And Jordan Adams was a four-star wide receiver uh, that was committed to UNC and four-star sells him low because he was a borderline five-star, one of the best wide receivers in the country. Um, and, and could have been an NFL caliber receiver. Uh, obviously, when you get offered millions of dollars up front, you, you, you go play the other sport. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, the, the athleticism has been very clear for, for somebody like Jordan Adams. And, and he can be a phenomenal defender out there, but the, it's just never really come together with the bat. I, I'm not fully giving up on him in terms of being a big leaguer in some capacity, but I think the ship has kind of sailed on him reaching that ceiling, which is unfortunate because he is a special talent physically. I mean, all the issues that the Angels have had with Joe Adele over the last couple of years, multiply them by 10. And that's what's going on with Jordan Adams, right? Where he's he's such a freak, just not really clicking in terms of, of the, the bat to ball type stuff. A hundred percent. You know, he's he's a guy that it's it's ridiculous speed. I think Fancrafts has an 80 on it. He hit well at the lower levels, but then once the pitching got a little bit more difficult, he just hasn't been able to match it. That said, Still competitive enough offensive numbers where I think with his speed and with his defense, he can, you know, prove himself as a fourth outfielder type and 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 grab onto, you know, a big league roster spot eventually. He also stole a ton of bases last year. I think he was 33 bags on 36 tries, and that's something that he'll always have going for him as well. Obviously, that's not going to be the pick for Taylor. So what is your pick at number 17? I mean, I think Jack kind of ran me into it. I think I got to go Cal Raleigh here. Yeah. Uh, you know, multiple, multiple reasons. Uh, basically, it's so rare that you can have a catcher that hits like he does. Um, and so I, I think that's a start of it. He's on a good team. He's having success young on a good team. Um, and I, I'll be honest, like I kind of like watching him play. I, and he did some cool stuff in big moments. And and that there's somebody said for that. So um, I, I don't really, there's not a whole lot there. I'm taking Cal and, and I'm pretty happy with it. Taylor, Taylor just likes big dumper and baseball pants. He's a huge fan of that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> Blake, I'm a big fan of you. All well, right. You guys, you guys have similar power profiles, right? You guys are both 25 to 30 nukes. All I'm saying is, you know, we got arm over here talking about like how bad Taj Bradley's fastball is. Cause guys are OPS and 650 on it. I don't see what's wrong. No, how good it is. How good it um, is. How good Dodge Bradley's fastball is. Yeah, I that's my point because hitters are only hitting 650 OPS oh, on yeah. it. I'm saying I I my OPS is like Oh, 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 that was a joke. I got it. That was that was self-deprecation there. It's fine. It's fine. We'll move on. It wasn't funny enough. It's over that stuff. No, we're used to self-pumps on podcasts. Most people are there's not much self-deprecation. It's usually not the self-pump. So 
Um, well, speaking of which, you guys have some really funny sound bites with D Gordon that you told me about. So I'm, I'm excited to hear some of those uh, self pumps from D, specific, specifically on the basketball court. Uh, but yeah, so you know, I think a 650 OPS is great, Taylor. Uh, I agree. It's and, awesome. Um, which means Taj Bradley's fastball by by association does suck. Um, so. That that pick, I look, I I like it. Honestly, if we're looking at it in the grand scheme, this could be one of the steals of this redraft because Kyle Rowley was playing through a thumb issue last year and still produced big power, is a good defender, switch hitter. He seemed to get better offensively as the year went on. And and he produced on the big stage too. You know, I know they didn't make it to the World Series, but this guy was clutch down the stretch of the season with that jacked up thumb. And, and it is, I think, a big part of what they're going to be doing this year. So I, I'm a big Kyle Rowley fan. I like that pick a lot. That brings it over to pick number. I'm sorry, I scrolled down. So that brings us to pick number 18, which was previously Brady Singer, who is off the board. Good pick by KC there. And it's funny because Brady Singer was a 1-1 candidate. Kind of took a half a step back that draft year at UF, enough that he dropped to the 18th pick. And look, it it, kind of looked like that might have been justifiable in the beginning. But patience has worked out and he's turned into a really nice pitcher at the big league level. You know what it was, Taylor Hunter Barco, who the Pirates just took this past year. It's the same conversation that people were having with Barco, who was like one one at Florida this past year, slightly underwhelming. And then all of a sudden they go, I think Barco went into the maybe competitive balance round he got hurt um, too. where the Pirates got a pick. Yeah, he did get hurt. Um, but no, I mean, like it's kind of the conversation, right, where it was top overall pick candidate out of Florida. Same with Fiedo, um and, and Singer. Fiedo too, yep. Yeah, Finger, his Singer is kicked ass. Yep. So, again, this is one where I, I have to be honest with myself because – I, I want to pick so many different prospects, but, you know, there's still some big leaguers, some guys with some some big league uh, experience on the board here. I might double up on the catcher situation here and go upside. And I think I'm going to go with with a bone nailer. Um, there might not be a more athletic catcher in in the minor leagues besides Taylor. And, you know, yeah. there, there might not be even at the big league level. You look at JT Real Muto. Like, I, I really think that this is the future. And I, I'm, I'm really eager to hear what you have to say about this, Taylor, because obviously you can add much more insight. But, you know, I'm not saying you have to be this premium athlete to be a catcher. But I do think that JT Real Muto, even Adley Rutschman, like these guys are kind of showing that, you know, if you want if you want to crack at some of the most elite catchers, it's it's athletic guys. It's not the 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 pudgy slower guys that traditionally were viewed as a catcher. And that's evolved over time. But now I think it's gone even further to where it's like it's okay if your if your catcher is quote unquote too athletic to play catcher. Like it's okay that if 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 he could potentially play center field like Harry Ford, it doesn't mean you should move him off of catcher. You know, it doesn't mean that his knees are going to go bad immediately and and you're sac- you're sacrificing his career uh, because I think there's a lot of ways where where we can see guys have longevity now and with, with what we know and also still be extremely productive. And you look at JT who just had one of his best seasons of his career on the other side of 30. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that is really big with the catching position. What I love about Bo is, and I broke it down in my prospect write up of him, so many adjustments to his swing and his approach that have really helped him tap into power. The guy can motor. His defense has gotten better and better. And we've heard nothing but great things about the way he approaches the game, his makeup, and, and all of those good things. Do you have anything to add on my thoughts on the catching side, Taylor? Because, you know, I have, I've thought it's been very interesting to see that position just become more and more athletic as the years have gone by. 
I mean, I think that's a little bit of a testament just to how good athletes are. Like you're to the point now where, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to do something. If you, if you are not that guy, I'll say this, if you're not that guy, you've got to do something special. So like we talk about a Cal Raleigh isn't the freak athlete, but he's got some big power. So like he does yeah. something special. Um, the guys that, you know, even like uh, go talk about a Martin Maldonado, he does something really special, right? Like he can really catch, he can really throw. Um, I, I think that that is, you gain more, opportunities as an athletic guy. Look at Dalton Varsho. Um, you, you know, you, you run yourself into these, these opportunities and you're definitely seeing it much more often. The other thing I'll say though, is that a bigger, another reason I think you're seeing this is because you're seeing a lot of guys become catchers later in their careers, whether it be in college, whether it be in the minor leagues that were just good athletes prior, they had good hands. They were shortstops. It didn't fit at shortstop. Let's put them behind the plate. And now it's an over athletic player back behind the plate. Yeah. Did you see Naylor at all? Yeah. 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 We saw him when he was in Columbus. He can, he can, but yeah. I, I mean, I was super impressed by him just from like my perspective on the perch. Like, what were you, were you wowed by anything that Naylor did? Uh, I thought he could really hit. I like the approach. I like everything about the bat. Um, defensively, didn't love it. Um, I don't know the numbers. I don't know if they were good or bad. But I just remember like the games that he caught against us, he dropped a few baseballs and um, it wasn't super clean. But like, once again, you know, it's that's a that's me being very nitpicky because because of the bat, he doesn't have to catch extremely well. So, like, you know, I, I would give him that um, and I have no issue with that. But, yeah, I, I think Bo's going to be a good player. I actually I, I considered that one right there because I think your other option at, at catcher would have been Ryan Jeffers. And I'm probably going Bo over Jeffers there. And other one. Oh, uh, other one. Yeah. The, another Logan one with the Angels. who's going to be the starting catcher for the LA angels this year. And oh, I, yeah, love, I love Logan Ohapi, right? Traded for Brandon Marsh. He's going to go soon. I, I strongly considered Ohapi because I think Ohapi's floor is higher. This is a guy that can really catch. Uh, and the bat is what really exploded for him this past year. Um, we'll have to see if it's sustainable. I think it is because the bat to ball skills are good and, and the power ticked up. But what stands out to me with Naylor, this guy went 2020 as a catcher. Um, and you talk about the defensive, you know, struggles to a degree. Uh, it was worse before um, and it's gotten a little bit better. And another dude that was 22 and triple. So, you know, this is somebody that has time to get better in that department. But what I love is even if it doesn't work out behind the dish, sure, that would make the pick probably a little bit less uh, valuable at this slot, but it, it won't mean that he is doomed as a prospect because he could still be a 2020 guy or at least be a, a really good offensive force anywhere else as a switch hitter or excuse me. Yeah. As, as a left-handed hitter, excuse me, yeah. that can just really get into it. So uh, that brings me up again, yep. which good job, Aram. Yeah. First time I got the snake draft, right? So <laughs> this is almost, this might be one of the best stick with the pick spots we've had so far in this mess of a first round. Uh, number 19 was previously Nolan Gorman and Nolan Gorman, St. Louis Cardinals, major, major power. We saw him called up. He had some success. My concern with him is that I, I think his ceiling is limited as a guy that I, I don't know what his defensive profile is because don't love him at third. Don't love him at second. Maybe you put him at first. Maybe you can hide him in a corner outfield spot. He can't hit lefties very well. Uh, he's still working on the approach, but he demolishes mistakes. The raw power is insane. And he's still extremely young, extremely, extremely young. Um, just based on where I've always been on, on Nolan Gorman, I just, I just can't take him. Yeah. Um, I, I just, would not fit the narrative at all. It doesn't fit the narrative. I feel like his ceiling is is Jock Peterson. 
And I, I think there's some more either higher floors or more exciting ceilings among. among so, so, let me get this, so let me get this right then. You're telling me that you think the player you're about to take is better than Jock Peterson. I think that he could be. No, I, I so I think his ceiling, like I think his 90th percentile outcome for Nolan Gorman is like Jock Peterson. I think for some of these, I think there's way more variance. You run a hundred, a hundred simulations. There's a lot more where he is nowhere near anything close to that or, or a player below that, which is why I don't love him. And also Jock Peterson played the outfield. He played center field when he was first coming up. Where's Nolan right. Gorman going to play maybe second base at an okay right. level. So that's, that's kind of where I stand on that. But for me, it's the balance of floor ceiling, right? If, if a guy has a low floor, I want a crazy high ceiling. If, if he has a higher floor, I can, I can pallet a lower ceiling. Where, where do you stand on that Taylor? No, I, 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 I grasp that. And I think it's really just dependent on the player. Um, more so position, like you said, like if the guy could defend, it's a, it's a different story. I think even not even talking necessarily about like ceilings and floors, but like if a guy doesn't have a high ceiling and he can't defend, that's really tough to back up. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like that's, I think, you know, when you talk about a guy, like look at a guy like Nick Madrigal, I think one of the reasons that Nick Madrigal is going to get as a bunch of opportunities is because he can really defend, even though his ceiling's not incredibly high, he can defend. And, and that's, what's going to keep him getting these opportunities. And like you said, like if, it, but the other thing with Gorman, I'll give you is that he, I just think he's in a bad spot. Like he's in a, he's in a bad spot in the organization just because they're so talented in the infield yeah, there yeah. that like, what, where's he going to play every day? Yeah. And what I don't love, too, is he doesn't walk. You know, this is somebody that with that profile, you're going to strike out a lot. Um, you're going to hit a lot of home runs, which he did. Yeah, you got to You got to offset that with some patience. And and I think, you know, big league pitchers and, and catchers like yourself, you, you pick up that this guy chases a lot. You're not going to let him, you know, you're not going to let him have a chance to get a hold of one middle in and you're going to let him get himself out. And I think that's part of why we didn't see him get as many ABs and you, you put in the, the, the lefty struggles, struggles against Velas. There, there's a lot of blue zones, uh, but he's going to be a really good mistake hitter and that'll be enough to keep him around, I think. And at the end of the day, he's still just 22 years old. He'll be 23 by the time the season starts. I assume he's going to go at some point in this draft, but I am not going to take him. This is where I could go like like three or four different ways. And, and I, I, I think I got to stick with, uh, with another catcher here. And then I'm going to go back to back catchers. I'm going to go Logan Ohapi. Um, and you know, I'm not drafting a team. I'm, I'm just, I'm, we're just doing a redraft here and I, I, I can't let Logan Ohapi slip any further, especially based on where we have him on our just baseball top 100 list. Um, Ohapi just broke out in such a big way last year. And, and Ohapi was previously drafted where, where was it was late, Jack, where was he like a 23rd round pick? It was really late. Ohapi was 20, a high school kid, 23rd round, 677th overall. Only two notable guys after Ohapi signed when they were picked. David Hensley went in the 26th round. David Penn Murphy went in the 33rd round, 988th overall. Wow. Okay, so Ohapi's a guy that just – the glove has always been there, and now we're, we really saw him break out offensively, started to tap into more power. Um, the bat-to-ball skills are strong, and, and the numbers last year – we're just spectacular before the trade, after the trade, whatever you want, 75 games in double a with the Phillies. He struck out less than 17% of the time, walked 13% of the time and slashed 275, 392, 496. Then he gets yeah. traded over to, to the angels. 
double A with the Angels there in 29 games. He walks more than he struck out. He hit 11 home runs in 29 games. I don't care where you're playing on earth. That is crazy. I don't even care if you're not playing on earth. That's crazy. He slashed 306, 473, 673. So you, yeah. you accumulate all those numbers over the course of the season. And Logan Ohapi slashed 283, 416, 544 with a 16% walk rate and a 16.6% K rate. Oh, yeah. And he's a good defender as well. Um, I'm pumped to, to get this guy at this pick. And, and this is somebody that I think is going to be a, a really important piece for the Angels this year as their catcher. He's their catcher. He's their guy. And he can really help them if, if they're trying to, you know, finally get Mike Trout to the playoffs. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about Ohapi. I, I, I heard there was stuff that they, the Phillies really didn't want to move him. But, you know, I just think the opportunity is not going to be there for him for a while with JT there. And they're probably going to extend JT again. So, um, you know, I think that was probably a good move for them to do that. The other thing that he's going to benefit from is having an older pitching staff. You know, I think he doesn't get the opportunities that he's probably going to get if he's with the Royals and they're a bunch of young arms because you're going to have to bring in a veteran guy to catch. So except for, well, they're going to have Salvi, but they'll also have MJ Melendez obviously doing some catching. But um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that he's going to benefit from that and have the ability to, to be able to go through a little bit of adversity that he may not be able to in another situation. Real quick. You said the Phillies are probably going to extend JT again. Um, no, the biggest thing in the baseball world this past week was you Darvish. Um, what six years one away with the Padres, Taylor? You know that was his third six-year deal that he signed. He signed a six-year deal with Texas, signed a six-year deal with the Cubs, signed a six-year deal with San Diego. I don't think Obviously, from like a baseball fan, it's like, oh my gosh, you just commit to eighteen years of at least like ten million dollars annually because the first one was six for sixty. How impressive is that to a player? three six-year deals yeah it's i mean it's just incredible continued success you know we talked about it on the last episode but you know the amount of people that that have success for one year is crazy the amount of people that have success for more than one year in the major leagues is extremely low for you to do that for six years okay then to do it again for six years now to do it again for six years like it's absolutely insane the only other guy that that comes to mind when i think of something similar to that would be uh you know a rod Signing two, signing two two hundred and fifty million dollar contracts like that is still one of the crazier things you know, you can say. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see. But like, you know, Darvish is Darvish is like an analytics dream. He throws thirty pitches. He is giant. You know, and and not to not to mention he's a, he's a really good dude also. So he's a great guy to have in the clubhouse, and I'm sure that plays a role. You know, that played a role into it also. You caught? Did you you caught you right? I caught him, yeah, for like five weeks in uh, in Chicago in 2019. So, how do you call pitches for a guy that has 48 of them? Do you shake a four yeah, or five? What's of- what's pitch 12? Like, is it <laughs> just like flashing gang signs at that point? Like, what what are you supposed to do? By the way, the the coolest part of my grand slam in the big leagues was that uh, it was in, I believe, the fourth inning, and we were down by four. You had started. I was hitting eighth. You was hitting ninth. If I don't hit the grand slam, they pinch hit for you. So that was for me as a catcher. That was the sick part. I kept my starter in the game. That was oh, really that's cool. awesome. That, that's something that'll um, never, you, you'll never be able to do again, buddy. But that is really cool. Uh, that is really awesome. Uh, but he, uh, so, you know, you is really intelligent. You use very smart. He knows himself uh, as good as anybody. And before games, he would have, 
you know, we would go over the game plans and then he, we would go over personally, like, Hey, here's what I want to throw today. Here are the pitches that I'm wanting to throw today. But you know, there were days where like he would come up and be like, yeah, I'm gonna throw all sinkers today. You, you, you've never thrown a sinker in your life. What do you mean? Eh, we're going to do it all today. Right? Like stuff like that is just absolutely insane. And he just has the ability. He's just so talented. Everybody's, I don't know if you've seen the videos. Some people have like of him throwing left-handed and you know, I caught, I caught a you Darvish bullpen left-handed. Like, <laughs> It's, it's, it's a joke, dude. He's, there were a couple guys on that Cubs team though. Like you, Javi Baez was hitting balls out of Wrigley field left-handed like there, you know, but that once again, just goes to talk about how good the athlete today is. Yeah. Freaking. 100%. So that brings us to pick number 20, 20. which was previously Trevor Warnick. You know, again, I, it's a reach to stick with the pick, but like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't freak out if, if you stuck with the pick. Warnick's no. an interesting case. Um, twins outfielder athletic big power it's just a question of can he you know hit enough and can he put it all together we'll see uh, i think he'll get an opportunity it's a very crowded outfield with the twins but you know i was surprised they didn't trade him and i think that says something about you know how they feel about him i think he's he's more athletic than walner and, and it'll be interesting he's a good defender i think that's the one thing that he doesn't get credit for is he's actually a good defender which very much helps his profile with the swing and miss uh, but it's ironic that they brought in Joey Gallo, who is kind of basically that with more swing and miss, uh, albeit more power. That's not going to be the pick here at number 20, obviously. What's the no. selection? I, I, you know, I am going to stick with an outfielder here. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's going to be one of the Diamondbacks outfielders. I, I, I was waiting. I was so scared because I don't know which one I want to take first. I'm so glad somebody else is. So uh, Go ahead. So, you know, uh I think the question is, are you buying the Jake McCarthy sample size? Are you buying that? Um, I don't think I'm not buying it, but what I think I'll tell you is that I'm going to take Alec Thomas here and I'm going to do it because of the speed. Uh, You know, the old stigma that speed never slumps is true. I think he's got a, you know, that first of all, that outfield with, with him and Corbin Carroll and uh, potentially at some point, Drew Jones, like, it's an incredible opportunity for them, but like they're going to have a chance to have three gold glove center fielders in the outfield. I think Alec Thomas can do that. Like I, I see this guy. I think what he did, here's what I'll say. I think what you saw last year was the worst Alec Thomas you're going to see. Yes. And that's why I'm taking him. I, I agree wholeheartedly. So I know I've, Jack, I know you love Alec Thomas. So I'll give you the floor first and then I'll fill in whatever you, whatever else. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, couldn't agree more with you, Taylor, that that's the worst Alec Thomas we're going to see. Um, I've shared this story with Aram. I'll share it with you, Taylor. Uh, when I was, let's see, Chicagoland area, right? Alec Thomas went to Mount Carmel, which is a power. Um, my junior year of high school, they had, let's see, you, you've got, you know, your nine guys in a DH, um, nine of which were Division One baseball commits all seniors division one baseball commits. The only guy that wasn't a division one baseball commit at the time was a 15 year old center fielder, freshman in high school, Alec Thomas. And we were slated to see them in the state semifinal. I want to say, so we went to go see him in like the state quarterfinal or maybe the round before that a freshman in high school, Alec Thomas playing on an indie ball field in suburban Chicagoland tomahawk like i'm talking helmet high fastball 420 dead center gone i it was like the the craziest feat of athleticism from i've seen that i've seen from like someone younger than 18 years old ever 
obviously he's got this strength coach pedigree with his dad being like the guy for the White Sox. He's a freak athlete. He's an excellent defender. He can run with the best of them. I'm with you. Like that is the worst Alec Thomas we're going to see. And, you know, the big thing, I think the big issue for him was was the ground ball rate, right? Is he just was struggling to to, to get the ball in the air. And, and you say speed doesn't solve. Like, even when he's going bad and hitting it on the ground, he's going to still steal a lot of hits that way. He's going to defend. He's going to give you value. He's going to steal some bags. But what stands out the, the most to me and is the reason why I think he's going to just find a way is kind of what Jack was talking about, what he could do at 15. He does it now all the time. His ability to get to tough pitches, manipulate the barrel, control his body with you know, pretty pretty loud moves. But I've never been worried about the moves because of how athletic he is. It's, he times it up well, and and the barrel control is ridiculous. I queued up some of the more difficult pitches that he got to, and he had a home run out on pitch down and away. He had another one out on a pitch up and in. Like He's going to find a way to hit enough, and I think it's a little bit of approach. He was chasing a lot. It's a little bit of just getting acclimated because it's the freaking big leagues, and he was 22 years old. I like the pick, and I think the upside, the athleticism, the power, it's all better than Jake McCarthy. Right now, McCarthy's just more advanced, and you know he, he's had more professional at-bats at the end of the day. So you know, that's that's really what it boils down to. Um let me let me add one more thing, one more thing, because you you brought this up and we talked about this uh, with D. One thing that I think is interesting about certain players that I'll be interested to see next year if it, if it pans out. I think with the lack of shifts, I think more ground balls are going to be more hits. Yeah. And, and I think that'll be an interesting piece because guys that hit the ball, teams won't be so scared of guys that hit the ball on the ground if you can run. So, you know, you talk about a guy that's looking for for a boost up. There's just another opportunity for him. Even if he doesn't change his approach, there's another opportunity for him to just potentially just flat out be better solely because of the no shifting. Absolutely. I, you know, especially with his speed. If it's not routine, if it's not right in front of a guy, he's going to beat it out. You know, he was going to play baseball and football at TCU. He was committed to be a wide out at TCU and probably they're like right now. He probably would have won a national championship. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But Max Duggan throwing to Alec yeah. Thomas. Yeah. So that brings us to the next selection, which is 21. number 21. Yeah. Bryce Turang was the pick for the Brewers. This is also a stick with the pick candidate because I I'll I'll save it if you don't pick him because uh, Bryce Turing is one of my favorite prospects right now in baseball, just because I feel like people don't realize how good he is. And I've talked about him enough on the podcast. So I'm not going to bore anybody, but uh, this is a guy that, that patience was a virtue, right? And he's still young, uh, but it feels like he's been around forever. It's prospect fatigue candidate right here. Uh, drafted. I think a big reason why he's had a lot of prospect fatigue is if you remember, this was a guy that was, you know, considered the top prospect in his class way back because of how advanced he was. Uh, he was great for Team USA. Uh, he was just always that guy. Uh, but uh, the limited tools to dream on kind of caused him to to fall a little bit as we got closer to draft day. And that's why he ended up falling, quote unquote to pick number 21 rather than being in the top 10, as many had projected four years when he was a high school or four year starter, you know, out there. So you could stick with the pick here, Jack. I think you're, you're not going to. So what is your pick at 21? I'm sticking with the pick jackass. Yes, let's go. I'm going with Terang, man. I mean, Taylor, I know you watched Terang for a week in Nashville. He's so stupidly smooth. You say speed doesn't slump that defense can't slump, man. Like he is, He's an incredible defender, and and he hits enough, I think, to be an everyday big leaguer for the next however many years, right? 
He uh, he made some sick play on me. So yes, defense does not slump. Was was that like was that the spin throw in sh- in shallow center? I mean, look, not that he didn't have time to just stop and run the ball for space with me running, but like it was a sick play. I had two. I had two of those last year. I had one there, and then uh, somebody he else. On Royce you. Lewis. Royce Lewis. Yeah, Royce. Cut it up and put it Royce out. Lewis. What a joke, dude. That Come one on. was in my thread. That one was. I, I, that one was in my Royce Lewis thread. Um, I've, I've been doing those, those prospect threads and I, I was digging through some defensive plays from, from last year on Royce Lewis before he got hurt. And I'm watching this guy run down to down first base. I'm like, Oh, this guy's definitely a catcher. And I'm like, wait a second, that's Taylor. Uh, So I was like, I have to put this one in the thread. Um, it was a sick play by Royce Lewis. Uh, that said you, you helped him out probably a little bit with the wheels. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't hurt him. Uh, no, yeah, I think Bryce Bryce was a really, uh, you know, he's a very well put together player. Um, a guy that like he kind of reminds me of a little bit, maybe a little more offensively um, is like an infielder version of Albert Almora. Like Almora, when he was when he was drafted, he was like a super high level advanced defender, put together quality at bats. I think that's what you saw at a Terang, right? He was a guy that as a, as a young kid, he was putting together really quality at bats. Even if the, uh, the numbers aren't there yet, uh, there's something to be said about the fact that he's not going to get up there and get overmatched by, by much. Um, I, I just question, like, he's a guy we talked about high floors, uh, you know, low ceilings. I, I question how high the ceiling is. I don't know that the power is going to be there by, by like, and, and so if the power is not there, he's a really good defender at, at shortstop. And he, well, is he going to play shortstop? That's the next he's play second. He's going to play second every day short. for them, but he, he could play short for, for any team in baseball. So if you're drafting for a, you know, a, a blank slate, he, he'd be a plush. I think he'd be a plus shortstop. So Taylor, I'm going to send you after we record this, uh, the, the Bryce to propaganda I put out uh, about why I think, look, I don't think he's ever going to hit for, for, for power, but before it was like, is he going to hit, at all, like in the, in the slug department, or is it going to be, you know, the, the, the triple three slash line. And I thought he made some really good improvements to his setup, uh, to his, his basically his entire swing to, to tap into more power without really compromising the contact. And we saw an uptick, right? He's never going to hit for more than 10, 13 home runs, right? And that, in that ballpark though, you know, might be able to sneak out a couple more, but for a guy with that profile, that's all he really needs, right? We were talking about Nico Horner, I think that he could be similar to what we saw from Nico Horner last year. And with everything else that he does, 10 home runs can be enough for a guy like that, right? With all the other tools that you're getting. Very fair. Very fair. So I want to get your thoughts on that. I'll send it over to you and feel free to to, to pick it apart if there's anything you disagree with. But I am excited about Terang and um, that is a classic floor. He he teased us with just enough of the ceiling where I'm I'm really excited about it. So this one, you're not sticking with the pick. There's no way. Yeah, but I love Ryan Rollison. So 22 is Ryan Rollison, uh, Colorado Rockies. I will say, don't give up on Ryan Rollison. He was hurt last year. Um, he's got good stuff. He, the, the ERA was destroyed by obviously pitching in some brutal places, but he's shown flashes of of being a really solid pitching prospect. I'm not giving up on Rollison. I still think he can be a guy for them, but there's no way that you take him at 22. No, there's no way. Um I'm actually going to leave McCarthy on the board for one of you guys. I was thinking about McCarthy. Um, I was thinking about a couple of other guys, Um, you know, some starting pitchers that have struggled at points or have been phased out of really tough situations to crack into. Like 
Tyler McGill, Aaron Ashby. I was thinking about those two names, but I, I'm going with James Outman here with oh the Dodgers. God. And I know, okay, so Aram almost scoffs at it. Taylor gives me the side eye. No, I'm I'm not almost. I am scoffing. Okay, so James Altman in 2021. Yes, he's 25 years old. In 2021, in 104 games, he had an 870 OPS. He had 18 bombs. He was 23 for 27 in the stolen base department. Did he strike out a lot? Yes, but he was, what, 18 and 23. This past year, Altman slashed 294, 393, 586. That's a 978 OPS, 31 doubles, 7 triples, 31 homers, 106 driven in, and he walked enough. 70 walks and 560 plate appearances. So this is a guy that is tools out the ass. Like, unlike anything I've ever seen, he's a freakazoid. I think that this guy, if he does get everyday chances. He watched O'Neill Cruz almost every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You're right. Sorry. Call out the hyperbole, Taylor. Yeah, thank you. Um, But, I mean, this guy, like, he has this – Calvin Klein model build, right? 6'3", oh 215. He's a freak athlete. Right, so now, now we're seeing we're seeing where we're seeing where the yeah. bias is coming from. That's why he took him. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. He is kind of beautiful, but he's also really good at baseball. So look, that's why I'm going with Altman. I think he's got a really, really high ceiling. Look, I'll, I'll give it I'll give you this. I, I don't think he's a guy that, you know, you, you saw the power uptick. Obviously, environment is is something that we always consider, uh, especially in the PCL when when we see a power uptick. But the, the data kind of backs up that this guy kind of figured something out. Right. I mean, the batted ball data was more impressive. Uh, you hitting the ball a lot harder, more consistently. And and he's he's a really dynamic player. He even flashed well at the big league level. So I I, I get it. I just think there's some other guys on the board. What's interesting here is. You, you could take a 22, 23 year old Nolan Gorman uh, at this point. And I know I just just bash Gorman, but Gorman has three years then at that point, two, three years to get to where this guy is. Right. That, that's where I'm at. Like, yeah, I think in, in a couple of years, Gorman you know, could be better. He already has 14. I don't think I don't think he I don't think he was a bad play. I don't think Outman's a bad player. I just think there were better, better players still. Like, I think like the guy I don't I don't Brennan think Davis. I don't think he's the best guy on the on his own team left in this draft because that's who I'm taking next anyway. Who are you okay. taking? Oh, hold on. 23 originally was <laughs> Anthony Siegler. <laughs> um, Anthony Siegler was the pick at 23, which, by the way, for what it's worth, he's the second best Anthony, I believe, in the Yankees organization. Um, yeah. But yeah. that's cool. about it. Um, he could throw with both arms, which is pretty cool. Was um, Was he the one that was like – dogging around he's the one that that hit the hit a ball off of the wall thought it was gone was dogging and then got hosed at second i'm pretty sure Uh, it hasn't been great for anthony Seagor uh since he was taken 23rd by the yankees the yankees haven't had good draft history like if we're going to be real like they they don't draft that well um and this is just another example Seagor did make some marginal improvements last year offensively though and you know we'll see how he does this coming season there's no shot that he is the pick at 23 so Taylor, who's the Dodger that you're taking? I know who it I gotta is. Go this year. I, I got to go. This is this is like wow, a, first reliever off the board. Well, let me let me let me tell you like this is a classic version of 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 a player valuing performance, right? Like he's done it, and and me and Jack talked about this because I actually argued with Jack on this one uh, before we started the first show. We were talking about him, and I, I wasn't quite sure. Like, but the reality at the end of the day. 
The dude has done it. He's done it in big stages. He's done it in a big market for a good team. I just think that that at some point that has to create value prospect wise. Like what else are you looking for? You know? So I, I, I don't think there's any, I, I got to take him here. I like it. Um, you know, I, I'm anti-relievers just because I just am anti-relievers. But Vessi is a guy I watched come up with the Marlins. And what he did in the minor leagues was comical. Um, I think one of the one of the longest scoreless streaks in the minor leagues uh, in Marlins organization history. And um, just just kept going. The Marlins, only reason they traded him, and I know it was reluctantly, was just they needed proven relievers. So they go get Dylan Floro. And, and for them, I mean, Floro was – been their closer in a lot of spots and has been their most reliable reliever when healthy. So, you know, I don't think they thought Vessia could be this good. Otherwise they wouldn't have traded him. I think they knew Vessia could be quite good though. And I, I agree. I mean, with, with another guy with, he can tell you the fastball is coming and you're still going to swing under it with just the way it takes off out of his hand. And he's got the moxie. He is built for LA big games, which I wouldn't have thought as a, whatever round pick uh, and, and a guy that, you know, was very overlooked, but he's got that kind of moxie to him and, and really is fearless. What was the 16th round, 17th round? Vessia wand 17th round, 507th overall. I'm two for two on the random round guess. Yeah. Um, good job. But that, that, uh, that, that's it. That's an interesting pick, but that's a guaranteed high leverage reliever. So I'm here for it. This is where I'm up now, right? Uh, confirming boys. I am finally, up, and I'm up Dude. twice. Right. I'm up twice. Yes, you're up twice. Just making sure. So Nico Horner at 24. Um, yeah, what I love about Nico Horner, obviously he's off the board. If we did a redraft like a year, a year and a half ago, he's probably still on the board here. And now he's long gone, which is really cool. And that shows the fluidity of this thing. Um, we already talked about Horner, so don't need to, to hit on him much, much more. Uh, but I, I'm feeling pretty good about my two picks here. One, I'm going to go with Owen White, who is a right-hander in the Texas Rangers organization. And and by my, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he is the best pitching prospect in this organization. Um, White was a second-round pick in 2018. And I love Jack Leiter. This is not a, not a knock on Jack Leiter. Leiter, Kumar, Brock Porter, Cole Wynn, you're taking Owen White. Correct. Uh this guy just just shoves, uh, and, and I think the only reason why we did, we haven't seen as much hype around him is he missed a lot of time. He had that like horrible timing of the COVID, you know, layoff and surgery, so it felt like we didn't see him for twenty years. He goes to the Arizona Fall League, was the best pitcher out there by a huge margin, then parlayed that into just a ton of success this past year. What I love about White is that he commands his fastball east west. Uh, and and north south as well. I mean, it's it's all four areas of the zone, and he gets a ton of whiff on it. Uh, that was a pitch that was one of the better fastballs in in the minor leagues this past season in the mid nineties. He's got a slider that was disgusting. Carved guys up with that. So the fastball yielded a six something OPS against. The slider was a sub six hundred OPS against. Then he has a curveball that is a really solid pitch, flashes above average, and a changeup that is above average. So it's. Three above average pitches, four at least average pitches, and I think the fastball and slider are close to plus. He's 23 years old. He has good command. He only walked, I believe it was 7% of batters last year. He struck out 33% of batters. 
I feel like Owen White is still one of the most underrated pitching prospects in baseball, and he's built. He's 6'3", 180, 190 pounds, and I love the mechanics. I think he's going to be a good pitcher for a long time, and we'll see him at the big leagues pretty early, I think, in this season if, if the Rangers need an arm. I've got nothing to add. Yeah, nice job. <laughs> good job. <laughs> good job. Um, were you, was Owen White on any of your guys' radar? Was he going to be selected in the first round? He was like 30 for me. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Taylor? No? Wow. No. You guys are about to find out. You guys are going to find out. We are all witnesses to you Owen will, White. You will be witnesses to Owen White this year. <laughs> cool. Now I'm going to I'm gonna compromise my brand here, but I can already see the Cardinals fans yelling at us yeah. in the replies if we let this guy slide any further. There's just too much upside here. He hits the crap out of the ball. He hit 14 home runs at the big league level. I'll never put him in against a lefty ever. It's fine. I'll never do it. But Nolan Gorman's going to be the next pick. And it was previously Matt McClain, who, who honestly could be a, a consideration here at 25. What? But, but he didn't sign. Oh, he didn't sign. So can we even take a, a guy nope. that didn't sign? No. Matt Can't McClain was drafted by the Diamondbacks, offered, I believe, $1.8 million, something around that range. He says no. It was his dream to play for UCLA. He goes to UCLA, actually kind of stunk his freshman year, went on the Cape, Looked pretty good there and then just got better and better and better and then had a really nice draft year. Uh, McLean ends up making the right decision because he gets drafted higher and he's he's a good prospect, man. I mean, he had some success in double A. We just broke him down a ton on the red system. Uh, this is a guy that could go in the back end here, but I'm, I'm not taking him just yet. If I can be the big man on campus at any learning institution in America, number one is probably Moorhead State. Number two is definitely UCLA. So because of uh, you want to be Nico Holsizer, isn't that where he went? Uh, that's where uh, that's where somebody on this podcast went. Oh, Nico, Hol- Nico Holsizer, too, right? Yeah, I mean, Nico, Nico went there. I, I don't know if you compare the uh, compare the numbers. I'm not sure who would be the better uh, eagle. But you guys want to talk about some college numbers. I want you to go watch, go look at 2011. Taylor Davis, Moorhead State Eagles, first year of BB Corp. First year I'm of holding BB it up. Corp. Please hold. Is there a note in baseball reference, first year of BB Corp? It'd be like an asterisk. 2011 with the Moorhead State Holy Eagles. Holy shit. Right? <laughs> Holy shit, dude. 414, 510, 736 with 13 homers, 17 doubles, zero triples. No surprise. Um, but two, bags. two bags. Two bags. 34 walks, 22 Ks. Um, that's pretty good, man. And then and then so honestly, you add that and then go if you I don't know if you can see my cape numbers, but that yeah. summer I demolished the cape also. I, I was 75, 452, 500. <laughs> Baseball's yeah, kind of easy, right, man? It all went downhill from there. <laughs> you said people catch up to you at some point, right? And like, it, it's pretty remarkable to be be able to even dominate on the Cape at that level and and Division One level. I like that. So, um, and they, by all accounts, didn't really catch you until you you got to the highest levels in the minors, and you even had success at the big league level. So it's pretty remarkable. But man, the self that's a good self pump there, Taylor. You hit four fourteen in a minor or in a college season. That's deserving of a self pump with a home run. What more than every third game? Or no, about yeah. every third game. About every third game. I got a. Uh, this is this is like this is probably the last self pump you'll ever hear from me on these podcasts. But <laughs> I don't even like. I don't even honestly like telling people about this Just one. Say it. 
I was intentionally walked with the bases loaded. Oh, that's yeah, that's you. That's, that's a that's like a bio thing, bro. That's something you put in the in the in the, in the damn bio. Yeah, intentionally walked with the bases loaded is the highest praise you can ever get as a baseball player. I think, right? I mean, and well, for it to happen at the D one level, it was pretty cool. Now you probably had you could probably walk into any clubhouse and say I had the best college season statistically of anybody until Chris Bryant walked into your clubhouse when he said, "Well, I hit thirty one bombs in sixty two games." Well, so, that, so, so honestly, the year that I the year that all this happened, there were probably two hitters in the country in twenty eleven that you could have said were better than me. One of them you guys are going to know. One of them you're probably not. Um, one of them is Victor Roach, who went to, uh, I don't remember if it was North Georgia. It was one of the Georgia schools, uh, but he hit 31 home runs that year. Yeah. And he was like the only guy to hit 30, obviously. It was the, but he had a big year. And then the other guy that had a big year was CJ Crone. Uh, okay. CJ Crone was at Utah that same year, and we had very similar slash lines. Um, but he was like the one guy that was a little bit like, if you look at the numbers, I would give him, he's like the only guy that I was like, all right, like your overall numbers, everything you were a better hitter than I was that year. So I think your, your numbers were more dominant before we get to the next pick. Um, <laughs> but I want to give whole sizer, his flowers is just a power monster. He struck out a lot, even, even in college, but I, 44 home runs in 140 collegiate games is, is pretty oh. awesome. I first saw whole, whole sizer in the, in the home run derby, because if I'm not, I think it was the same year. My, my buddy Griffin Conine was in it and um, he was competing against whole sizer. And that was the first time I got to look at, at, you know, seeing the kind of power and they use the BESR bats for fun uh, for that home run derby. But still, I mean, it's all relative, but you could, you could see what, what kind of power some of these guys have. And whole sizer actually had a nice year last year. Um, yeah, he did. He was also. Yeah, 279, 367, 557. Um, and and he's actually I think he can defend up. a little bit. He's a good athlete. Yeah, he's 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 and he's uh like kind of a hippie. Uh he's a cool dude. I I yeah. saw him longboarding uh when, <laughs> at one point when like to, to the ballpark. He's he's a chill dude. When we were in Biloxi, I went on one of those like morning runs and I ended up at a coffee shop and Holsizer was just sitting there reading a book at like 8.30 a.m. I was yeah, like, this, he, this guy's sick. He's he's built for it, bro. He's built <laughs> for it. So obviously those are my two picks. I got to go with Nolan Gorman. Um, too much upside in terms of the power, but in terms of the profile, not enough upside for me to take him earlier. But when I can get 25, 30 home runs this late in the first round, I'm going to take it. He's never going to be a war guy, though. Um, you know, that's the thing is it's going to be a lot of home runs, not a lot of F war. That's fine. I'll take it this late here. People are going to still ream us for not taking Gorman, but I just think there's too much whiff for this guy to ever be that dude. Uh, but that's still my pick there. That takes us to pick number 26, which might be the steal of the draft. Um, other than like the super, I guess it's all relative because there's always going to be the crazy steals outside of the first round. And we have Shane McClanahan at, at 31. But one of the better position player steals of this draft has to be Tristan Casas uh, at yeah. 26 by the Boston Red Sox. And this is one that, you know, I, I as a growing up a Marlins fan, I wanted the fish to take him. He was in their own backyard, American Heritage guy. I, played against him enough times where I knew what this kid could do. They had to put up special netting in American heritage because he was hitting the houses across the street, uh, but also just such a meticulous work ethic and uh, watching him go through his progressions in the batting cage is pretty remarkable as well. This guy just, just is built for it. Um, but he's obviously well off the board. What's the pick here at 26. 
So I'm going to take a guy here that I think you could argue has as high of a ceiling as just about anybody else here. It's a guy that I think a lot of people are writing off and I'm just not going to write him off. I'm taking Kellenic here. I like him. I, I, I believe in Kellenic. I think the bat's really going to play. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm buying low at this point, but I, I just, I think, um, you know, I, I have a lit like I, I knew some people that were in that clubhouse in Tacoma with him and and liked it, liked what he had to offer. Um, you know, wasn't losing any confidence because of what was happening in the big leagues. I think that's a big thing. I think that can happen a lot. Um, and he wasn't. And and you know, there's something to be said about the Mariners continuing to give him shots. And and I just I believe in the bat. I, I liked it when he got drafted and I, I still like it now. what's interesting is the way they approached it. I I like how you mentioned um continuing to give him shots, they go get an AJ Pollock who is almost just a hedge, right? It's we're going to let Pollock hit against the lefties because he just destroyed them last year and not going to block what Jared Kalanick is doing though, right? If if Kalanick's playing, Pollock's going to get his ABs as a DH and against lefties. And that that's a lot. You know, that's that's still a lot of faith from the Mariners. I I like that point you make because this is a Mariners team that – you know, made the playoffs for the first time in two decades that, you know, lost to the eventual world champions in in, in an un, unfortunate three game series. Right. Where if they got matched up with anybody else, probably could have made a nice little run. This is a team that's really trying to make the case that they can be a World Series contender. And you don't want to have a single glaring weakness. And they're acknowledging that this could be a weakness for them. But they're not afraid of taking the chance because of all of the things that you said. And if if Jerry Depoto, the one of the more aggressive GMs in baseball, still believes in Kelnick, it yeah. would be silly to let him fall out of the first round. I'll be honest, though, I like fully left him off my big board because I forgot. Because when I was going through it, I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about him. And I was compiling all the other names. So I'm glad somebody took him because I might have full out forgot about Jared Kelnick at this point. Yeah, I was I was thinking about Kelnick. At 27, I probably wasn't going to do it, but almost like same exact narrative here. And and unfortunately, it's health related with this guy. But I mean, (laughs) Aram and I have compared his 100th percentile outcome, like the absolute ceiling to dating Rihanna, Matt Kemp. Um, I'm going to go with Brennan Davis, 27. Like he's just a... He's what he's tall, he's lanky, but somehow he's strong. He packs a punch. Um, Taylor, I'm sure you've kept some tabs on on Brandon Davis. Like, I believe that if he's healthy, he can be that top 20 prospect in baseball type talent. So I'm going with Davis at 27. So the first thing about the injury is that it the injury scares me just in general. It's not your average injury for your average player. It's a back injury for an uber athletic player. That's a big deal to me. It's if a Yelich thing. Right? Like if it, if this were a guy that wasn't athletic and wasn't using his athleticism, I might not be as scared, but that kind of scares me especially because he's not like he's not he's he's kind of tall, but he's not real thick. So he's going to need that leverage. He's going to need that torque to hit home runs to be the guy that you're taking him to be right here. I just, you know, and I I like him as a player. I think he does a lot of things really well. My just big question mark is like, you know, to be a top 20 guy, to be the guy you're talking about, I just, I I think you've got to put up big years. And I just, you know, I don't know that the minor league numbers wow me like some of these other guys. Yeah, that's fair. And and it took some time. Uh, I was monitoring specifically the exit velos, kind of week to week 
month to month as he came back and as he got to the Arizona Fall League and, and played a little bit there, we started to kind of see him pop the 105s, 106s again, which has showed me that the back was kind of getting comfortable again and, and coming back. He had that monster year in in 21. And then of course last year just it just wasn't wasn't great. Um not not as much power output as you know you'd you'd want to see overall, but I, I think that this is a guy that could still hit their 30 home runs at the hundredth percentile outcome. I am worried about the back, of course. It's scary. Uh, but this was somebody that you know we had it as a top 20, top 25 prospect before the injury, still just 23 years old. Um, talking to some of his teammates, they all say nothing but amazing things about what he can do on the field, the way he carries himself and it's scary with the back and that's the hard part, but I'm, I'm hoping he can bounce back and I'm, I'd be willing to roll the dice too. He was probably going to be my pick if, if, if you didn't take him, Jack, just because of the upside, you're not going to find this kind of upside late in the first round. Yeah. The original pick was Mason Denneberg. (laughs) Yes, it was Mason Denneberg, Washington nationals. Um, Talk about a team that has done a bad job drafting. Um, Yeah. The Washington nationals have been a disaster when it comes to drafting over the last handful of years. Denneberg, kind of made some improvements in 2022, but we haven't really seen this guy throw much at all. He's been consistently hurt. Um, yeah. What do you call improvements when he's walking like six guys per nine? Um, Being on the field and <laughs> it, he actually walked 5.5 per nine. The and best ability is availability. Yep. Walked yeah. 24 and 39 innings. We'll see how Denenberg does. He's still, and eh, he's 23, uh, <laughs> but we'll see how he does. Uh, but I mean, you're talking like recent, High round draft. I think these are all first round guys that I'm about to name, but like Carter Keyboom, that that that's a dud. Denneberg, a dud. I love Jackson Rutledge as a guy. Unfortunately, that's looking like it's it's gonna be a dud there. Um I yeah, like they've just stunk it up, man. These the soto prospects good. better work out. Even the guy that looks good, Cade Cavalli, is like worrisome and, and a lot yeah of brady house isn't house kind of worrisome let me, let me give you Early. this I, I i just want this to i want you guys both to think about this and you don't have to respond but like one thing that i think is really interesting about the juan soto trade to me now you're also talking to a guy that i, I believe that juan soto when mike trout's not the best player in baseball now i think shohei otani will be the best player in baseball but right. before before shohei otani what became what he is I really thought that Juan Soto was going to be the next best player in baseball. I still think he's going to be a top three hitter in our generation, like in this, this group of hitters. Right. My question, like if I'm the Washington nationals, you search your whole career for a guy to build your franchise. around. When you find that guy and you get that guy, better hang on for dear life. Right. But like, but, but if you're, but if you're trading that guy away, what are you hoping to get? You're hoping to get Juan Soto, but you already have him. And that's my question, right? Like you're trading Juan Soto, hoping that either James Wood or Hassel or CJ Abrams can be this offensive force that you've already got locked in for sure for the next two and a half years. And what's crazy is they have that face of the franchise twice, right? You had it with Bryce Harper and then you had it with Juan Soto. And you could have had it with Turner. Mm-hmm. And you could add him with Turner. That's another face of the franchise. And then the guy that they lock up is Strasburg, who and you know, it, out of their control, out of his control, but you know, extremely unfortunate. And and that was the the biggest red flags of red flag deals because he's always been hurt and emptied the tank in that World Series run, which nobody will ever take away from him. And he's had a phenomenal career. But look, I went back to that to that one start that he made in Miami, covered it because I was really excited to see him. And it was honestly like, dude, I was I was like. 
pretty beat down emotionally from it because I, it was, it was really special to watch him come up and, you know, he's one of the more talented pitchers we've ever seen. And he was so nice and, and personable even after he got shelled throwing 86, answering every question with a smile on his face. And then shortly after they shut him down again. And, you know, it's just been really frustrating. I think that was part of it too, how financially handcuffed quote unquote they were because they didn't, the learners didn't want to spend more money, but I think also how bad they were drafting Farm system was horrible. So yeah. I agree. You always lock up the superstar because you're not going to find one. But the I guess what their deciding factor might have been was just how brutal their farm system was. Hey, this took it from one of the worst in baseball to like middle of the pack with one trade. So well, that also, does help. The other, the other thing that nobody will ever know except for the people that were in the room was how much – um, how big of a deal was Juan Soto getting traded for the new ownership that they were trying to sell at the time? Yeah. So yeah. maybe that was something that, you know, some business person had told them, Hey, you need to trade him and, and build up the system because they don't want to pay, you know, who knows that well, you don't very- want to buy a team and be the, be the ownership that traded the franchise player too. So like, I, I know that reading a lot of stories around that they were saying, Hey, we don't want to be the one that handles the Soto situation. Either extend him or trade him, but do something before we buy the franchise because we don't want to be the ones that started on on that bad note. They probably took a page out of the Marlins book, which Jeter takes over, trades everybody, and he had a lot of fans that were like, hey, screw you, Jeter. You just traded all our guys, not understanding the, the broad scope of the situation. Right. That takes um, us to, to 28, right? Yeah, 28. 28 was originally Seth Beer. <laughs> Seth Beer. I will not be going with Seth Beer. Um, I am going to take Jake McCarthy here. Got to oh. I'm sorry, Taylor. Really sorry about it. Not sorry about it. This is a here, okay, you know what, Let me ask you this question. And this is, I, I don't know if you even thought about this. Are you, so like, are you really going to take Brennan Davis over Jace, over, over McCarthy? Or I did think you so. do that because you had both and you could take both? I had both. Like the order wasn't necessarily at the top of my mind. I, I think they're almost interchangeable. I'm fine with Davis over McCarthy because I think the ceiling is so much higher for Brennan Davis than Jake McCarthy. But I mean, this guy, what, 23 bags on 27 attempts this past year? And he finishes uh, 23 on 26 attempts. And he finishes fourth in rookie of the year voting. I think that he is a good enough all around pure baseball player to stick on a major league roster and get at least platoon at bats for a long time. Yeah. I mean, like I, to me, this is like the perfect of, of what you and me talked about, like with prospects, like, yeah, you know, Brennan Davis may have this higher ceiling, but Jake McCarthy's done it in the big leagues. And for like, yeah. How much value does that hold over the ability to potentially do it in the big leagues? Yeah. That's my yeah. only question, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the nightmare that is these redrafts um, that makes it so difficult. Uh, but no, I, I, I like it. This is a guaranteed, you know, two war player at the bottom, right? Because of the defense and the speed and the bat to ball. I do think that we we're going to see a little bit of, of, you know, a step back offensively. I think there was a little bit of batted ball luck, but we'll see. Maybe not. Um, but this is still a, a really solid player. I think there's a reason why they they didn't move him because I think there was a lot of teams that would have been happy to acquire him. Obviously they would rather they moved far show for a more impactful package here, but I think they're very happy with what they have with McCarthy and I'm interested to see how he does this year, but he did it right. Like he already showed that he can compete at the big league level and that, and that says a lot. Yeah. Pick number 29. Yes. Was Bo Naylor. He's gone. He is gone. I took him earlier. Um, Great pick. 
Great pick there by Cleveland, who talk about a team that drafts well. And the Cleveland Guardians draft quite well. So there's a few different ways you can go here. And there's one or two big leaguers who have maybe not done as well as they should have at this point, but are still young and you don't want to give up on them. And then there's still some prospects. So, Taylor, what's your pick? You know, I I don't like where this guy has to do it, but I'm going to take a big leaguer. I'm going to go Ashby right here. And I I don't like that he has to do it in Milwaukee just because it's not it's a good place to hit. But um, I think that he's a guy that clearly got extended. He's going to get his opportunities. Um, And and he's a left handed pitcher, man. Like, I'm always going to give that guy a shot. I I think that uh, I I couldn't not take him. I I wanted to take him earlier, um, but. Like he's an example of a guy that got to the big leagues and he has struggled like he has struggled a decent bit. Right. Not just not just in one year. So um, not. And when I say when I say struggle, like he's still a usable big leaguer. He is a he is going to be in your rotation. And that's where I say, you know what? I will happily take a four or a five because I think he's a four and a half ERA guy. At, like he's what four six six last year or something, yeah, so. and he could fall back on on being a really good reliever. When they put him in the pen, his ERA was like in the twos, maybe high ones, because so he can I'm, empty the tank, and all of a sudden he's ninety nine with a yeah. crazy curveball. He's on the shelf with shoulder fatigue, but you know that that so that's be it. So yeah. Be it. yeah. I, I, but I think I think he's got to be the pick here. On and if for nothing else, um, you know, one thing to take from people getting extended is that somebody's going to give them an opportunity for a few years. He's going to get that opportunity for a few years and i think that that it's going to be a decent opportunity because milwaukee is a smaller market they don't tend to pay guys a ton so i don't foresee them overhauling uh with big money guys and kicking him out of of any type of situation yep i like it i that that was one of the guys i would have been considering here for for the final selection um so for mr irrelevant of the (laughs) first round i'm gonna go with griffin cone not now i'm kidding i'm gonna go (laughs) with uh there's so this is a tough one because Where are you between? let's hear let's hear what you're between. So Josiah Gray, yeah, is this is a guy that was consensus top, you know, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. Has he struggled? Absolutely. But he's also been traded from the Dodgers to the Nationals. So so pitched in, you know, with with a revolving door of catchers and worked a lot with with a, a young catcher in Kiebert Ruiz. And I think Ruiz could be good. But uh, and the, the problem is the fastball. And the fastball is straight as an arrow and it's been getting pummeled. But what I like about Josiah is, is he is a converted infielder, athletic as hell, great arm speed. I think with, with the right help and with all of the information we have at our disposal now, I feel like, and I want to hear what you, you think about this Taylor, cause you've probably seen fastball quality change as pitchers are always working on that. Like with what Josiah is capable of, is that not, something that he can improve the shape of that fastball or, or is it something that like, that's what he has. That's what he has. Cause that would influence my pick here because I, I just feel like it can't get, it can't, it definitely can't get worse with the fastball. Like it was one of the worst pitches in major league baseball last year. We talked about on the just baseball show, the worst statistical pitches by run value. But I feel like, I feel like it, 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 it's got to get better with his arm speed and his athleticism. What do you think? I see you kind of like iffy on that. Yeah. I, you know, I, a lot of, a lot of fastball stuff, it, you know, unless you're going to like add a sinker or you're going to change your sinker to a four seam. I, so few guys go through significant fastball changes like that. What I'll say even more so to me though, is the issue with that is you know, it's great to have really good breaking stuff and you need it in the big leagues. But the reality is you're still going to throw your fastball more than you throw any other pitch. 
So that's an issue that scares me. Um, I haven't looked at the data enough. Like, I don't know if there's a problem there. I don't know if there's a problem with the data or where he's oh, throwing yeah, there it. There is. There is. <laughs> or, yeah. or where he's throwing it, you know? And that may also be, you know, I always say that I think one thing that you can read into the data about is how to use your pitches more so than to tell me if they're good or not, and especially in the big leagues. So, you know, I'm sure he's done nothing but work on that this offseason. It'll be interesting to see. Like, I'll, I'll guarantee you, if you follow his first couple starts in spring training, you'll tell right away from the data if something has changed with the fastball. Yeah, so you've kind of swayed me. <laughs> I don't, if the fastball can't get better, then I, I don't feel great about it. Um, there's there's a couple other names that, that you could consider here. And, and we'll kind of use this as like the honorable mentions because it's already been a long, long episode here. But, you know, there's some other interesting prospects like Lawrence Butler, Addison Barger. Uh, Reese Olsen, I think, is an incredibly underrated name that could break out in a big way this year. I actually gave him some thought there. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with a prospect that I I really feel like is is getting unfair um I don't know what the, I guess criticism because he still had a decent year last year and, and I think it was more approach stuff than anything. We just talked about him in the red system. Oh, I can't take him. Damn it. I forgot I can't take him. I can't take Matt McClain. He didn't sign. Can't take McClain. Can't take Matt McClain. That just threw a huge start getting, your, start getting your picks right and now you're picking the wrong guys you can't take. Okay, so guys that are still on the board that are like notable major leaguers or, you know, prospects on the cup on the cusp uh daniel lynch went 34th overall simeon woods richardson went 48th overall uh ryan jeffers 59th um you got owen miller you've got uh, taryn vavra uh matt veerling you've got cody hoyer who's recovering from tj but has closer type stuff um arm your favorite guy jaron duran um tyler mcgill is still available um yeah that's probably your list i'm going reese olsen Okay. Um, this guy's stuff is nuts. Detroit Tigers organization. Um, I think we're just seeing, you know, the he's just scraping the surface uh, of what we're going to see here. Now, you think he's a guy that's going to force his way on the top 100 lists? Mid 90s fastball, a nasty changeup, a really good slider, both of which held opponents to. So the changeup was a mid 500s OPS, and the slider was a 440 OPS both of which racked up ridiculous chase rates over 40% and a ton of whiff. Um, fastball location was a problem, left it over the middle a lot. That's something to watch, but it's mid-90s, and he's got two other really good pitches, mixes in a taste-breaking curve. Uh, I think Reese Olsen's going to blow up this year, and finally getting some some new new faces in the development side of things in the Detroit Tigers organization I think should really help. I do believe Scott Harris is going to overhaul all of that, um, and, and I think that's going to help him a ton too. So Reese Olsen is the final pick of the draft for me as a guy who struck out 34% of batters last year and only walked 7%, one of the better K to BB guys in the minor leagues last season. Only thing I got to add is I, I will ditto your Scott Harris thing. A big, big Scott Harris fan here. Let's go. I spent some time with him uh, in Chicago, uh, really intelligent. And to me, uh, you, he learned under, uh, I think you can make an argument that this guy is the greatest sports executive of all time outside of maybe George Steinbrenner and Theo Epstein. Um, I, I think that argument's there, but I, I really like Scott Harris. Hey man, did Brad Pitt play Theo in a movie? I don't think so. <laughs> hey, I, I've said the bill, the Billy Bean man, Billy Bean's the most underrated baseball executive of all time until the movie came out. And now he's like most overrated. Probably. No, now it's kind of taken a full circle again. And now it's like, 
it's overdone and and they had carlos pena and they had uh, you know they had all these guys that nobody talked about or whatever so they had miguel tejada who was never mentioned and whatever i'm, so, I'm with you though i theo theo was given these two crazy responsibilities go to boston and, and end the curse. the curse of the bambino go to chicago and the curse of the billy like it was insane that he and, was and, handed and, both those and didn't and, and while doing that while doing that created how many general managers like yeah, how many i know dude he and friedman are like the he's two a, that are just spawns he's yeah the, he's the nick saban of of baseball executives right like <laughs> well, yeah that's that's true i like that well, comment and, let me let me give you this too this is this is the my last this is a we can talk about this on a different show but like one interesting aspect i think that could have been missed what is theo the best at he is the best at uh, rebuilding major market teams. Yeah. In 2019, you could tell that Chicago had started to, they were starting to kind of go down, right? 16, they win the world series, 17, they get to the playoffs, 18, they get to the, um, the wild card, 19, nothing. Right. Yeah. 20, they obviously overplay themselves, but in 19, you could sense that you had two more years on your contract with Theo Epstein, I thought that was the perfect moment to do it one more time. You've got the guy that's proven to be the best ever at doing it. Let's give him one more opportunity. And if not, put him in and up, put him in the, like put him in the spot because I think everybody knew Jed was next. Jed's an unbelievable guy also. And he's been under Theo. And so like, let's let Theo start this and let Jed finish it. I thought that was maybe a missed opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And, And you know, you talk about ending the curse to end to, to wrap up the podcast. It's funny how, you know, a really knowledgeable GM or exec was able to end two curses. It seems like it's less about the curse and and the aura around that. It's more just about ineptitude for a long amount of time. And (laughs) and we we had a smart guy just change the tide on ineptitude for decades. And that's exactly what he did with both the Red Sox org and the the Cubs specifically. And I know both those teams were competitive, but there was a lot of of poor decision making and a lot of issues. It's it's not a curse usually. It's usually an organizational thing, uh, but the curse was always a fun, you know, fun, not our fault thing to, to always be able to deflect to. Next episode, we're talking about religion versus science. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. So that'll do it for this episode. Interview with Dax Fulton next week. Uh, Marlins pitching prospect, one of the more underrated pitching prospects, I think, in baseball. Had a phenomenal year coming off of TJ and really shoved. Big left-hander. Really excited to break down his his stuff and his season. So keep an eye out for that. Yankees farm system is next up. I'm already working on that. So uh, you can look forward to that next week as well. Again, reminder, go check out show and go with Taylor Davis and Jack McMullen here. If you enjoyed this conversation, much more of that with them too, all the time and not me messing things up. So it's even better. Um, They just talked to D Gordon. I've had Dylan Cease. They've had a bunch of other guys on there, a lot of which are Taylor's friends. So it's a really cool interview uh, usually. and, And Jack's not so bad himself. As always, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, and we look forward to talking prospects with you next week. 